In the words of Keith Hernandez, <sighs> all right, let's do this. Welcome to Fun Times in Flushing, a podcast about the New York Mets. I am your host. My name is Michael Smith. Wow. What a weekend. What a weekend. Uh, not many fun times in the Bronx. I could tell you that. Um, let's start. Let's start with... Uh, Something a little bit more important, though, a little bit bigger than baseball. Let's start with Thursday's protests uh, at City Field. Uh, obviously, it extends well beyond City Field. It extends well. It extends well beyond baseball. We saw uh, the Milwaukee Bucks kind of started it all in the NBA bubble uh, when they didn't take the floor for their game against the Orlando Magic on uh, that was Wednesday, and it just kind of snowballed from there. The NBA quickly postponed the other games that were due to be played after that that day. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers started a chain reaction that caused three baseball games to be postponed that day, and then it continued into Thursday and a little bit Friday as well across the sports world. Uh, and it was a little appropriate for baseball because uh, Jackie Robinson Day was Saturday. So it extended into the Mets and Yankees, for example, wearing those 42 jerseys three times this weekend, once Friday, once Saturday, and once Sunday. Um, so, you know, it, it's an interesting time uh, in this country with all these protests, and it's not the first time we've seen it this year. And it just, you know, it makes you feel good to see, or I, maybe I shouldn't say that. It makes me feel good, at least. It might not make you feel good. It makes me feel good to see these guys stand up for, the right thing and speaking out against what's been going on in this country. And, you know, it, it, it's a hard thing and it's an uncomfortable thing. And, you know, it's, it's difficult. And I understand that, but to see these guys feel like they're doing the right thing and stand up for it, that makes me feel good. I'm proud of them. I'm so incredibly proud of Dom Smith and, the way he handled himself after the game on Wednesday night. If you didn't see that video, please go seek it out. Uh, just tears streaming down his face. He later said uh, that after that started going around, he heard from Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals uh, just showing his support, and he heard from other players around baseball. Flaherty was just the one he happened to name drop, uh, but also from players in the NFL, the NBA, and it just, you know, it was it was a cool thing to see him be at the center of something so positive and so uplifting at the beginning of this week, you know, when it just, it, it was an uncertain time for the sport. It was an uncertain time for sports in general. Um, and it was nice to see him, you know, just be able to speak so eloquently while being so emotional and, uh, to get his point across in a, in a very nice, uh, very cool way. Uh, I applaud Dom. I'm so happy that I get to sit here and root for him and have him on our side. Um, the other big news from this week, uh, getting into a far less important area, would be what we heard on Friday night during the second game of the doubleheader, which was that Alex Rodriguez, Jennifer Lopez, and their group have dropped out they are no longer attempting to purchase the New York Mets and the lane is cleared for Steve Cohen. Now I have said previously that I don't really have any intentions of speaking too much on this issue. Uh, I know we all tend to think that Steve Cohen is going to be quote unquote, the savior. We all think that Steve Cohen is going to come in here and spend a whole bunch of money we're all looking at JT Real Muto, who's a free agent this offseason. Uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot to be excited about when you think that he would be the richest owner in baseball. He would be the second richest owner in all of sports, only behind Steve Ballmer of the Clippers. There's a lot to be excited about when you hear the name Steve Cohen and when you look at all the money the guy's got. 
But we don't know. We don't know what he's going to do. He could come in and he could trade DeGrom. He could trade Alonzo. He could just want to start completely over. And we'd be looking at two, three years of, you know, sitting in the basement. He might not, you know, we don't know. My impression, if he's gotten this far in life, he's, you know, obviously got a ton of money. He's obviously made some good decisions along the way. I would just think that he's going to bring in the smartest baseball man he can find. And they're going to look at this team, look at the holes. They're going to find who to get rid of, who to bring in. I would hope it would start with Real Muto, but I mean, sometimes it's it's not always a money decision. Um, you know, they can't force Real Muto to, to come here. So uh, there's no guarantees there. But you just hope that he brings in the right people and they make the right decisions and good things happen for this franchise. I mean, if you look back, uh, I was thinking about this today because uh, the Mets very obviously have an abundance of players in the infield. Uh, You have, because you have to count McNeil and Dom as infielders. You have, McNeil, Dom, Alonzo, Cano, Jimenez, Rosario, Davis, and I feel like I'm missing somebody. Uh, There's just so many to name when you only have four spots. So I was thinking about this today. About six years ago, a little over six years ago, the New York Mets had a decision to make. They had two first basemen. One of them was stuck in the outfield. Uh... Their names were Ike Davis and Lucas Duda. Lucas Duda was stuck out in right field, and he could not play right field. Ike Davis was the touted prospect. Lucas Duda was not. It was a tough decision to make because Duda was kind of playing above what people had thought. Ike Davis wasn't quite reaching what he had reached his rookie year, and the Mets had a tough decision to make. But what they had was a baseball man to make that decision. They had Sandy Alderson, and Sandy Alderson made the right decision. He traded Ike Davis. Uh, Lucas Duda hit 30 home runs in 2014. He had 30 home runs in 2015 and was a part of a World Series team. Lucas Duda was the right call. Now, uh, it's not a direct parallel because I really don't think there's much of a decision to make. Um, at first base, I believe Alonzo's the guy. Uh, he hasn't really shown it this year, but I would... I would Trust that Alonzo's the guy at first base. But you have Dom. You have J.D. Davis. You have Andres Jimenez. You have Ahmed Rosario. You have Robinson Trinell. You have Jeff McNeil. You have all these guys. You have, I mean, Luis Diorme has made, uh, has entered himself into that conversation, I feel, with how he's played this year. You have decisions to make for sure. And I don't want Brody Van Wagenen making those decisions. Brody Van Wagenen, I'm sure, is a very smart baseball mind in the field he's used to. This is not the types of baseball decisions that he should be making. He should be on the other side of things. So I just hope that Steve Cohen, if this goes through, because we've thought that he was going to be the guy before and he wasn't, if this goes through, that Steve Cohen brings in the right baseball guy to make the right baseball decisions for this team. And you have to unclog the infield. You have to. You have to unclog center field. You have to get an actual center fielder in here. Uh, There's one guy right now also that I feel, and I hope this is what Steve Cohen will do, that you have to lock up. His name is Michael Conforto. He has become everything we've ever wanted him to be. The only thing he's not doing this year is hitting with runners in scoring position. But guess what? Nobody's doing that. They're all pressing this. Uh, I don't know what the problem is beyond pressing or whatever it could be. But Michael Conforto has done everything else you could ask. So my hope... Steve Cohen comes in, he makes Michael Conforto a Met for life. And then he, you know, just brings in a smart baseball man to make the right decisions. Unclog the infield, unclog center field, and and 
decide where you can trade off defense for offense, offense for defense, or, you know, just not. The Mets are doing both right now, and it's not working. So I just want, I just want to have, I want to have a set lineup every day. I, it feels almost random as to whether Alonzo's hitting third or fourth or seventh or DeGrom or DeGrom or Dom is hitting third or fourth or seventh or Davis is hitting second or third or fourth or sixth or it just feels like there's no rhyme or reason to where these guys are in the lineup. I really just, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Um, we'll get into more of that in a, in a second, but just to wrap up talking about Steve Cohen, um, I'm again, I'm, not, I'm really not going to mention this too much. Uh, I hope, I hope there's not too much news on this other than Steve Cohen is the owner of the Mets between, you know, now and when we hear that there's no other Jeff Wilpon stories or anything else like that coming out. I just hope that, we 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 hear those things about Cohen and and we we he just he just does the right thing and he just want I just want somebody to come in and do the right thing by this team because they're a big market they're in New York fans come out and support this team at every turn just take that money and put it into the ball club that's all I want from you Steve Cohen um. I, and that's that's all we're asking of you. Just please, you're a Met fan. You've been there. You know that. Please just, please help us. Please help us, Steve. Please. And Jeff Wilpon, by the way, I, I, men- I mentioned Jeff Wilpon stories. Jeff Wilpon trying to get us one more time, apparently. I don't know if anybody saw that report from this weekend. Uh, Jeff Wilpon trying to push for Alex Rodriguez to become the owner of this team because he doesn't like Steve Cohen on a personal level. That's just great. I'm, I'm really glad that supposedly Saul Katz is the one who stepped in and said, no, 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 no. That's uh, Jeff Wilpon. What a guy. What a guy. And Alex Rodriguez, by the way, apparently helping us out as well, helping Steve Cohen out as well. The other report that I couldn't believe coming out about this ownership sale, this whole thing this weekend Alex Rodriguez soured Rob Manfred on Alex Rodriguez by reaching out to Jeff Lunau to come and, and be, you know, the baseball guy that I've been talking about this whole time. Jeff Lunau. Jeff Lunau is suspended for this entire season because of what happened with the Astros. I mean, do I think Jeff Lunau is going to be back in baseball? I do. Would I be surprised if it was with the Astros? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But Jim Crane is going to be able to do whatever he wants. If part of Alex Rodriguez's pitch to baseball or whoever it is when he has to be um, approved by the owners is I'm going to bring in a smart baseball guy, I'm going to bring in Jeff Lunau, they're going to let him out of the room. So I, I don't know what Alex was thinking there. Alex has really um, molded his image as to being a very smart businessman and a very savvy man. Um, that was a real misstep by Alex. Um, I'm a big fan of Alex's, um, always have been, uh, since I was a kid, since he was in Texas. Uh, that's when I was a kid. I miss, I miss Seattle. Uh, but since he was in Texas, I've always been a big fan of his and man, that was a serious, serious misstep. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to put something together eventually in the coming years to own another baseball team. Should another one come for sale? Um, you know, I, I don't know how close they got financially, but I, I just wouldn't be surprised. I, I would be stunned if Major League Baseball wasn't salivating at the thought of Jennifer Lopez owning a team and being in the room um, and, and progressing the game in certain areas with women or, you know, whoever else. Um, she's just such a cultural global icon that you would think she'd be exactly what any sports league would want, um, in an owner. Um, but like I said, that's about, uh, hopefully the next time I, t- I say the name Steve Cohen, the next time I talk about any of this is when it's official concrete, Steve Owen, Steve Cohen owns the Mets. And, you know, later down the line, after we win the world series, um, we're talking about who the Mets are going to get this off season, what changes have to be made 
um, all that sort of thing. Um, and you know, I joke that we're going to win the world series, but guys, we're definitely not. Um, <laughs> so what a week the New York Mets had, um, it starts on Tuesday, doubleheader against the Miami Marlins, uh, making up the game from Thursday before that got postponed due to the positive, uh, COVID test. Um, the Mets get shut out in both games. John Birdie, um, at one point in one inning, seventh inning, I believe, or no, sixth inning, I think, of game two, steals second, steals third, stumbles and still steals home. Um, just a really, really rough day for the Mets. Uh, borderline unwatchable. Uh, Porcello uh, not looking good in that game. That game won Seth Ludo being perfect for three innings and then coming out despite being about 20 pitches short of what Luis Rojas said his pitch count was uh, just a, an all around ugly, ugly day at city field for the Mets. Uh, it just, it was not, there was nothing good that came out of that day. They did. They didn't score a run. Uh, Porcello wasn't good. The best thing that came out of that day was that Corey Oswald actually came in in game one and shut the Marlins down. That was a game that really could have got out of hand. The Mets lost that game for nothing. All four runs were Porcello. Oswald was very good. And we'll be talking about him in a little bit because he could be uh, in line to get a start this upcoming week. Uh, but we'll get to that shortly. Uh, and then game three of that series on Wednesday, uh, the Mets get the victory over the Marlins. Um, you know, just... DeGrom at his best, uh, seven innings, two hits, 14 strikeouts, tying his career high, which also came against the Marlins last year. Just, he's the best pitcher in baseball. There's no two ways about it. it don't talk to me about Garrett Cole. Don't talk to me about Matt Scherzer. There's nobody. It's Jacob DeGrom. He's the best pitcher in baseball. End of discussion. Of course... The only argument you can make against Jacob DeGrom is that he plays on the Mets. So he leaves in a 4-1 to ball game, and the Mets cough all of it up in the eighth inning. Uh, just an ugly, ugly performance by the Mets pitching staff. Uh, Justin Wilson, not good. He actually, I'm looking at the bot score right now. Justin Wilson pitched a third of an inning, gave up all three runs in the inning that tied the game at 4-4. This is in the, the eighth inning on Wednesday night. Edwin Diaz comes in and has two walks and one hit. The tying run, the tying run crosses the plate with Edwin Diaz in the game. He gets the blown safe. Justin Wilson, whose line reads third of an inning pitched, three hits, three runs, gets a hold. How's that? How's that? How's that work? I don't understand. Why would he get a positive stat? I know holds isn't a stat we really look at too much, but how does he get a positive stat out of this? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, but there's plenty more to talk about with Edwin Diaz in a little bit. Uh, Justin Wilson just has to be better. That's all you can say about Justin Wilson in that spot. He has to be better. And he was um, today on Sunday in the Bronx, but really didn't help very much. Uh, we already talked about Thursday, the postponement, the 42 seconds of silence um, in honor of Jackie Robinson uh, in protest of everything that's gone on. Uh, Lewis Brinson, I believe, leaving the Black Lives Matter shirt on home plate as both teams walked off the field. And decide not to play. We could talk about Brody Van Wagenen uh, being caught by a hot mic, disparaging Commissioner Rob Manfred uh, unwittingly, or maybe wittingly, who knows, actually disparaging Jeff Wilpon. Uh, <laughs> um, we could talk about Fred and Jeff Wilpon releasing separate statements that both misspelled Brody's first name. But we won't talk about any of that because hopefully none of those people will be around next year. And we won't have to deal with either of the three of them 
anymore. Um, I, I, I tried so hard to support Brody for the past two years, but man, he just doesn't make any good decisions. And I genuinely believe that what he did uh, was on purpose. As far as the hot mic and all that stuff, I believe he did that intentionally. I don't know what his game was. If he was trying to disparage the commissioner because he's going to be an agent again next year and he wants players to hear him disparaging the commissioner and, and making him look bad. I, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. But either way, uh, it was an ugly, ugly thing to happen. Uh, did not make the Mets look good for sure, uh, but it, it wasn't that bad when you really think about it because I think nationally um, it got more play, the protests, the players doing the right thing, and the organizations just kind of looking like they were standing behind them even though Jeff wanted to step all over the whole thing and have them go play at 810, uh, which would have been a disaster, would have totally ruined the whole protest. But none of that really, I don't think, caught national play. And that was really just, in New York, we all just kind of shook our heads and said, wow, these guys are, they can't get out of their own way. Uh, but nationally, at least the Mets looked good on Thursday night uh, without playing. Uh, now let's get into Friday. So Friday, you're going into the Bronx. You're going into play a very injured, very hurt, not good New York Yankees team for five days. You're losing 4-1. Going into the sixth inning in game one where you are batting first. So you're running out of chance. Well, you're running out of chances either way. But seventh inning, seven inning game. So you're running out of chances. And Pete Alonzo hits a three-run homer to tie the game off of Chad Green. Jordan Montgomery was pitching great, and Aaron Boone took him out uh, to go for Chad Green, who, you know, I get it. So the Yankees had, the Yankees to this point, had only played two games all week. The Yankees were scheduled Monday off day after not playing all weekend because of the Mets' uh, COVID test. The uh, The Yankees had a scheduled off day on Monday, and then two on Tuesday and Wednesday in Atlanta, scheduled off day on Thursday. Uh, they ended up getting rained out on Tuesday night, so they played a doubleheader on Wednesday, and those were their only games they played all week since last Thursday. And they lost. They got beat up by Tampa last week, and then they lost both games on Wednesday in Atlanta. So he was sniffing a win. He saw it in front of him. He went to his bullpen, and Chad Green completely blew up. Chad Green gives up the three-run homer to Alonzo. He gives up back-to-back homers to Dom Smith and Jake Marisnik. And the Mets take game one, 6-4. Now Aaron Boone was really on his heels because that that turned into the theme of the weekend. Aaron Boone finding that he needed to go to his bullpen as quickly as possible to go get a victory. In game two... He had Jonathan Lewisaga on the mound. Jonathan Lewisaga did not provide much length for Aaron Boom, but did give the Yankees definitely a chance to win. He only allowed one run in the first inning uh, and was pretty good from then on. Uh, but the bullpen then, he had to go to Adovino, he had to go to Nelson, he had to go to Sessa, and he had to go to Chapman. Uh, it was Nelson who wound up allowing uh, the Mets to inch a little bit closer, uh, bring it to uh, 3-2. Going into the seventh inning, uh, Araldis Chapman comes in. Araldis Chapman cannot get Jeff McNeil out. Jeff McNeil has a very good at bat, uh, which was a, another theme of the weekend. Uh, something very nice to see. Jeff McNeil has some good at bats. Uh, Billy Hamilton pinch runs. Billy Hamilton gets pits off first base, but ends up using his impressive speed to get to second base anyway, just flat out outrunning Luke Voigt's return throw to second base. And, uh, you know, that's how that game should have ended or should have, that would have only been the first out of the inning, but that would have really killed any momentum the Mets might have had. Chapman hangs a slider and Rosario hits a walk-off home run in Yankee Stadium 
Uh, just an un- unbelievable sight. Rosario himself said that he forgot that it was a walk-off home run. He knew he gave the Mets the lead late in the game, but he forgot that they were the home team. All of a sudden, he was around at third base, saw all his teammates waiting for him at home plate, and went, oh, yeah, we won. <laughs> so, uh, good for Ahmed Rosario, good for Jeff McNeil. Those were, like I said, those were good things to see. Those guys haven't really been that great all year long. And, uh, you know, it was just nice to see them step up. So that was Friday. So like we already talked about, you had Steve Cohen news, which was looked at as very positively amongst Mets fans. Uh, you have the comeback win in game one. You have the walk-off win at Yankee Stadium in game two. It was just a really feel-good day. Uh, I Some people were calling it one of the best days in Mets history. I feel that was a little strong, but hey, it was hard to not go to sleep with a smile on your face on Friday night. And that's where it all went tumbling down. Uh, so James, not James, Jay Hap was unbelievable on Saturday. If you are somebody who follows the Yankees just because they're the other team in town, which is kind of my thing, I follow. I know a lot of what's going on with them. Um, I personally, I love listening to the Michael K show. Uh during the week, and obviously Michael likes to talk a lot of Yankees being the Yankee play-by-play man. Jay Happ has been in an interesting position with the Yankees all year. He has not been good. He has not really been good for the past two years now. And they have decided at times that, or they have looked at times like they want to try to use him out of the bullpen. They're not really interested in using him as a starter anymore. Uh, Jay has kind of claimed that they're trying to stop him from getting certain incentives in his contract and they're hurting his ability to make money, which may kind of be true, but he hasn't earned the starting spots. So, he, you know, he has kind of been angry with the organization and I don't blame him, but, you know, he has to pitch better if that's what he, if he wants to be a starting pitcher. And on Saturday, he pitched like he knew he needed to be better. Uh, He was very, very impressive for seven and a third innings. And Aaron Boone, again, stiffed a victory and was looking at a victory and thinking too hard. And he brings in Adam Adovino, and Adovino promptly hangs a slider to Wilson Ramos, tie game 1-1. Jay Happ loses the chance to win the game. Uh, It... Aaron really overmanaged this weekend. Just looked like he needed to win games to pick his team up. And it just seemed like he was overthinking things and and not allowing, you know, I I believe that the Mets were the better team this weekend uh, considering all the injuries the Yankees had. But the Yankees are still a good team. Like he just, he should have stayed out of the way a little bit like with Hap on Saturday. Uh, But in the end... Dylan Batances just did not have it for the Mets in the bottom of the ninth inning. The Mets really could not muster any offense. Uh, they didn't. I noticed uh, it, it wasn't something I really thought of while I was watching the game on Saturday. But uh, during game one on Sunday, SNY put up the stats for Friday and Saturday runners in scoring position for the Mets. The Mets went O for O with runners in scoring position on Saturday. They never had a runner in scoring position. The only guy who got past first base was Wilson Ramos on his home run. So really, no offense. Other than a hanging slider, no offense whatsoever. So that hurts. That's not what you want. Uh, in, the words, in the words of Joe Girardi, it's not what you want. Um, so it was a little bit of overmanaging, and Dylan Batances kind of gave them the victory right back. Uh, walked off wild pitch towards Clint Frazier in the ninth inning and the Yankees take game three. I personally sat there. I was upset. I was frustrated. I was a little flabbergasted that they were so bad all game offensively. But you know what? I thought to myself, there's two more games tomorrow. Let's go win one of them and take the series. And then game one, not game one defeat. Snatched from the jaws of victory, Rick Porcello, awesome in game one. 
five innings, two runs, only four hits. Uh, we, we talked about, I, I say it all the time here. When you get past the Grom, you're looking for the pitcher to give you a chance to win. Rick Porcello gave you that on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. He gave you five innings and two runs. After the top of the sixth inning, when uh, Justin Wilson came in to relieve Rick Porcello, it was seven to two Mets. I personally believe Luis Rojas had an early hook. I, I don't see why Porcello couldn't have pitched more. Uh, he only threw 86 pitches. I uh, just felt like he could have kept going in that game. Luis Rojas felt differently. Um, I, I don't think that this was a banner day for Luis Rojas, but I think this was far from the worst decision he made today. So, you know, I, I, I thought he could have gone further. I thought he should have gone further with Porcello. But he went to Justin Wilson, and Justin Wilson was not the problem. One walk, but other than that, a clean inning for Justin Wilson. And again, 7-2 to two Mets going into the bottom of the seventh inning. In the top of the seventh inning, we watched Jared Hughes up in the bullpen. Gary Cohn was shocked. Keith Hernandez was shocked. I was shocked. Jared Hughes pitched Friday. Jared Hughes pitched Saturday. This did not seem like the time to use Jared Hughes. Then, as the Mets kind of got some runners on base, Drew Smith got up in the bullpen. I, I, I didn't know what to think. I didn't see any reason to have Hughes throw in the bullpen if Smith was going to come in. Like, there was, didn't really seem to be any logic to it, but pitchers are weird. Maybe with there being a doubleheader, maybe one of them wanted to throw. I, that was kind of my logic to it. I was just really hoping that Drew Smith was going to be the guy. He ends up going with Jared Hughes. This, to me, felt like the worst decision he made of the day, and, and bar none. And we'll get into what he said after the game in a couple minutes. He goes to Jared Hughes. Now, Jared Hughes did not pitch bad in this game. I feel that needs to be made abundantly clear. Jared Hughes just could not really get the job done here. He he rolls a ground ball to Andres Jimenez. Andres Jimenez makes an error. Now, that's obviously not Jared Hughes' fault, but, you know, you have to work around that. It's a 7-2 to two ball game. He ends up getting, uh, he gets a lucky out as Brett Gardner rips a ball that Dom Smith made a great play on and almost, almost doubled off the runner at first base, but just not quite. The Mets reviewed it as a kind of a, hey, why not? And they did not get it. After that, Gio Urshela flies out to center field and you have two outs. Runner on first, two outs, and a five-run ball game. Tyler Wade walks. Tyro Ostrada hit by pitch. And then after that, Luke Voigt with the two-run single. And all of a sudden, it's 7-4. to four. This was the problem with Brendan and Jared Hughes. He got the first out, or he should have got the first out on the error, and he ends up getting two outs after that. In fairness to Jared Hughes, he should have been out of the inning. He also, there was another error that wasn't really um, recorded as an error, but should have been. Michael Conforto throws out Tyro Estrada at third base for what should have been the third out of the inning. Andres Jimenez catches the ball, makes the tag, drops the ball on the tag, and thus Estrada is safe at third base. Uh, you know, it, it, it felt like Jared Hughes got like five outs in this inning, but he just couldn't managed to actually record the three outs and get out of the inning. So I don't want to attack Jared Hughes. And it wasn't a terrible decision by Luis Rojas, but it just, it felt like this was a spot for Drew Smith and he went with Jared Hughes for the third straight day. And then when Hughes walks the batter, hits the batter and puts the Mets in trouble, you kind of get what you deserve. If you're Luis Rojas, it, it, it just, it wasn't. It wasn't the right move. It was a huge, huge mistake, um, in, in the grand scheme of things, because it just it was the perfect spot for Drew Smith. Uh, 
Uh, and then he goes to Edwin Diaz, and Edwin Diaz throws a wild pitch at 7-5. And then he leaves a fastball out over the plate and up, and Aaron Hicks hits it. I, it had to be 150 miles per hour off the bat. It just was absolutely smoltino at the second he hit it. Tie game. Uh, our, Mike Talkman ends up making the last out of the inning, which is a little bit important because when the Mets failed to score in the top of the eighth, Mike Talkman started the inning on second base in the bottom half of the inning, and he was able to score on a... Gio Urshela single in the bottom half of the inning. Again, off Edwin Diaz. Uh, Michael Conforto made a nice play, made a nice throw to try to throw Talkman out of the plate, but Talkman is a fast runner. Wilson Ramos, uh, again, just an inability to be flexible and make a tag in a big, important play, but it's hard to blame him. Like, so much went wrong before... We got to that play before Diego Urshela hit that soft liner to right field that how am I supposed to sit here and scream about Wilson Ramos not making the tag on Talkman? He shouldn't have been put in that position. It shouldn't have been a 7-7 game. Uh, just a, a really, really ugly game. Uh, I compared the swing of emotions. I compared Friday to last year when Todd Frazier hit the home run off Sean Doolittle, the crazy three-run homer at City Field that I personally will never forget. Um, just one of my favorite games I ever witnessed. And then Friday, and no, that was Friday, and then Sunday's game one to the big blown lead in Washington last year, a couple weeks later. Uh, it was just nicely condensed into one weekend so we could feel the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Um, against like probably the last team we want to see this against, you know, like the Phillies come and go and the Braves come and go and the Nationals come and go. And, you know, there's always times where one's good, one's bad. Like you, you always like kind of dislike those teams, but you go back and forth on, on who you actually hate. I just hate the Yankees all the time and I just always want to beat them. And I never want to see us have these games against them and to just have it happen, it was it was a, a real true nightmare. It's always a nightmare when you lose games like this, but it's just that extra little dagger. And and knowing that it was the Nationals last year and that it almost propelled them onto their playoff run, that was a brutal, brutal feeling. Uh, and, and this was a, a brutal feeling as well. It just was like a train wreck. You couldn't look away, but it was it was so hard to watch. And then after the game, Luis Rojas is asked why Jared Hughes over uh, Drew Smith. And he basically said that he didn't trust Drew Smith, which I don't understand. So Drew Smith has been very effective this year. Uh, like, he just has been. He's not perfect, and he wasn't perfect today in game two, which we'll get into. But he's been very effective this year. Now, he hasn't pitched since, I believe, August 15th. Which is fair, a fair, you know, concern of Luis Rojas. If you're not going to go to him in a five-run game, what are we doing? Why is he on the team? If he, if you can't trust him in a five-run game, what's the point? Why is he here? And that really goes for everybody. He was asked specifically about Drew Smith because Drew Smith warmed up alongside Jared Hughes in the bullpen in the top of the seventh inning. But... Why why is why is he in the game? Why why is he on the team, I should say? Why is Jason Shreve on the team? Jason Shreve could have pitched with the five run lead. Franklin Kilome. You know, these are all guys who have gotten outs for you this year. Why are you afraid to go to them with a five run lead? They shouldn't be on your team then. You know, I I, I personally believe that True Smith could have gotten those three outs. Jason Shreve could have gotten those three outs. They've proven to you that they can get three outs. Jared Hughes did not have to come in for the third straight game. Jared Hughes is unusable tomorrow. He could be unusable Tuesday. You have a packed schedule this week. You need to keep your bullpen fresh. He used multiple guys 
all three days this weekend. Complete mismanagement of the bullpen. Then we get to game two. In game two, listen, Seth Lugo was good for three and two thirds. He gives up the home run to Tyler Wade. And then Luis Rojas pulls him with two outs in the fourth inning. Again, you don't have an off day all week. You have a game in Miami. You have two in Baltimore. You got to come back to City Field on Thursday for a game against the Yankees. And then you have four with the Phillies. You, these are all games you have to win. The Marlins have given you a bit of a tough time this year. The Yankees, you know, are good. The Phillies, you know, are good. You're going to need your bullpen all week long to be fresh. Let Seth Lugo, who had only thrown 60 pitches, that was just about your limit, at least try to get the third out of the inning. It was against Tyler Wade again. I, I'm sure he was a little bit afraid that Wade had hit a home run off him earlier. But you saw... Uh, I saw uh, a gift going around where you could very clearly say on the where you could very clearly read Seth Lugo's lips on the Yes broadcast. He looked at Luis Rojas and said, "I can get him. I got this guy." And Rojas had no interest in hearing it, and Seth Lugo was out of the game. Now Chase and Shreve gets the out, but after you know being like I said, being afraid to go to Chase and Shreve in a five-run lead, while down one run. Chase and Shreve gives you very good two and a third innings. He gets the ball to Jerry's Familia in the seventh inning. Jerry's Familia keeps the game tied after Dom Smith was able to drive in Jeff McNeil in the sixth and make this a tie ball game. Familia gets you through the seventh, and then guess what? Guess who's on in the eighth inning? It's Drew Smith. So you didn't trust him in a five-run lead, but now you have to trust him in a tie game in extra innings. Drew Smith, you know, just kind of had a rough inning, was a little unable to find the plate, ends up giving up a grand slam to Gary Sanchez. It's 5-1 Yankees. The Mets are able to scratch across a run, get the go-ahead run to the plate in Wilson Ramos in the bottom half of the inning, uh, but Ramos struck out with the bases loaded. And the Yankees were winners of the day. Swept a doubleheader, winners of the series. After the game, Rojas was asked about Drew Smith coming in in such a big spot and basically said, ah, he was all we had. He was last option. Again, why is he on the team? I believe in him. I think he's been effective for most of this season. Why is he on the team? If the manager has this little faith in the guy, what's the point of him being there? What is the point of him being on the team? I don't. It, it, and how do you go to him now? How do you ever go to him again? You basically said he's useless. How do you go to him again? Just, uh, I was so, I, Luis Rojas, people spoke so glowingly of the guy. When we heard that he was hired, I have not been impressed. He's done nothing to make me think that they made the right decision. Uh, But he hasn't been, I don't think, outright bad. He was bad today. He he managed the Mets into losing this series, into getting swept in this doubleheader. He blew it. This was on the manager. The players didn't get the job done. The players had definitely had opportunities to kind of overcome what Luis Rojas did today, but he lost these games. He lost these games. I'm. We, we talked about Steve Cohen. We talked about burning in a baseball man. I think a baseball man is going to come in here and say, and I, I don't know who that baseball man is. You know, the pipe dream is like a Theo Epstein or somebody like that. Not that I think he's available. But I think a guy like him is going to come in here and look at Luis Rojas's performance this year and say, I need somebody better. If we're trying to win games this year, if we're trying to win World Series this year, I need somebody better than this guy. And he's going to be gone. And, you know, I, I, I don't root for people to lose their jobs, but that's what I think is going to happen. And he's going to deserve it because he hasn't done anything to me that's won the Mets games this year. 
he hasn't impressed me with any of those types of moves that you make to win a baseball game. In fact, like today, I think he's lost them. And that's just unacceptable. This team is not good enough to overcome a manager losing games. Uh, I'm just, I'm so thoroughly just upset. This seemed like it was going to be a great weekend. You got the Marlins coming in for a day game against the Grom. It just feels like he's going to mow right. And, and you know, Don Mattingly has made it very clear that they're not happy about coming to play these game, this game tomorrow. Like it just felt like it was so tailor made for DeGrom to come in and just blow them away. Winning game Monday, you go in and you play a terrible team in the Oreos, Oriole, the Oreos, the Orioles Tuesday and Wednesday. It just felt like we were so lined up to really make a big push, put ourselves in good position for the rest of September this week. Just. <clears throat> And then and they just threw it all away. They just threw it all away. I still think that they can come back and make the playoffs. I still think that, you know, positive things can happen this year, but this team just, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. They're, man, they're, they're a good team. They get on base all the time, but they don't score runs. Their starting pitching has been there you know out again outside the drum they give you chances to win man and that bullpen the bullpen seems to pitch very well when they're down a run but really bad when they're up two runs i I can't figure it out i can't figure out what's wrong with this team i I just don't get it all right let's let's stop talking about this week stop talking about it let's move on Let's discuss. I'm not doing this day in Mets history this week, and I'll tell you why. I just, it's all about, for me this week, looking towards the future. We got a new owner, probably, potentially, maybe. You know, it, it's, been a, it's been a long week where you're reminded of the worst of Mets history, the worst moments. We're going to look towards the future here. We're going to look towards this week. We're going to look towards a chance to get back above 500. We're going to look towards a chance to put ourselves in position to make the playoffs. And we're going to focus on that stuff. We're going to focus on the good stuff this week. We're going to look past history. We're going to look forward. We're going to look towards the future. And we're going to get excited. Because this is a big week. Let's have some some opportunities this week. They, they, they have I, sound, I must sound crazy when I say that because I say it like all the time. They have a chance. They, this, is a, this looks good. They have a chance. They have a chance to do something this week. And, and then this is, it, it all goes terrible. But, but, like I said, Monday, Jacob DeGrom on the mound for a 110 start. He's the best, he has the best ERA all time. Anybody. Better than anybody in day games. Guy's tremendous. Guy's tremendous in day games. He's the best pitcher in baseball. He owns the Miami Marlins. The Miami Marlins want no part of playing in this game. And Jacob DeGrom is going to win on Monday. Then you have Tuesday. So Tuesday they go to Baltimore. Now, because of double headers, because of the postponement on Thursday... Nobody really lines up to pitch in this game. I propose we see Corey Oswalt. Corey Oswalt last Tuesday pitched four shutout innings in relief of Rick Porcello, kept the Mets bullpen out of game one Tuesday against the Marlins, and really, you know, made a good account of himself. I propose he gets that start on Tuesday against Baltimore in Baltimore. Then you go to Wednesday. Michael Waka and David Peterson both line up for this one, having started both games of the doubleheader Friday. I would imagine that they will try to give David Peterson the extra day's rest, and Michael Waka will start that one. And then Thursday, they return to City Field. 
to play the Yankees. This would be Giselman's turn because Giselman started Saturday. But again, I think he'll get pushed back today. David Peterson will start on Thursday. And then Giselman would start Friday going into uh, the four-game set with the Phillies. Um, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the rest of that series uh, a little bit later down the line. Uh, so you got the draw Monday. And then you got a series against the Orioles. Those are three games you have to win. You have to beat Miami with the drama on the mound, and you have to beat the Baltimore Orioles. Then you come back in Thursday. You got one against the Yankees at City Field. Uh, the Yankees have so much up in the air with injuries and all that that who knows what they will look like at that point in time. I don't think the Mets should see Garrett Cole. I would think he would be pitching Tuesday, but I'm not positive. Uh, but they should, they should be able to win that game too. They should be, you know, with David Peterson on the mound, if David Peterson can kind of pitch more like the first, second and fourth inning and not the third inning from Friday night, they should be able to win that game. David Peterson is their second best starter. So this should be a good week. You know, I, I'm of the opinion that this is a season that's worth winning. But I, I don't want to see them make any trades. I want to see this team make a push. I want to see this team make a push to the playoffs and try to win. But, I, you know, the trade deadline is Monday, and I hope I hope Brody, I almost said Brady, I hope Brody doesn't mortgage the future on this season because... Man, this team is not, just not very good. Like, they're very good, but, like, they're not. Like, they can hit and they can pitch, but, like, they can't hit or pitch. It's a very strange thing. I I wouldn't believe that this team could play this way if I wasn't watching it. You know, I could see this team getting shut down and not hitting for, like, a couple weeks. Uh, they're kind of streaky. But I wouldn't think that they would hit and then, like, just not score. Like be like the best hitting team in the national league, but not score. I wouldn't think I wouldn't think you should do that. And like I said, I wouldn't think that the bullpen could be good, but like not. Um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really add up to me. If I wasn't watching it with my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. But here we are, and it's the trade deadline, and they don't they haven't merited bringing in better players. They haven't merited it. it it's not worth doing. It's worth it for Brody because Brody has. I guess a chance to quote unquote save his job. But man, do I hope that that doesn't happen. Um, so if maybe if they had won this week, maybe if they had gone four and one against the Yankees this weekend, maybe I'd feel differently. Uh, I doubt it, but maybe, but it, it's, it's, it's a scary thing that this team has not just broken out already and gotten really hot and gone on a run and, and, solidified their playoff positioning. Uh, but they're sitting like just outside of right now. I think they could go. I think in a three-game series, they could beat anybody because they're not having an advantage in game one with the Rom. But I don't know. They, uh, I feel so silly talking about the playoffs because they don't deserve to go. But when you have eight teams making it, they could very easily get in. It's just also, it's, it's, a, it's a weird year feels weird like even trying to break down playoffs they've only played 33 games they why are we talking about playoffs it's not playoff time yet and but it is it's september on tuesday and we're very close to the playoffs and the mets are knocking just outside the door of being in the playoffs because there's eight teams in this year and you know they're not far out of being second in their division Right now it's Miami. They could very easily overtake Miami. Uh, there's a there's a lot. There's a lot to this season that we've never seen before. And personally, I'm I'm enjoying some of the aspects of it. Not all of them, but some of them. And I think this is a a lot of fun to watch. I do. I think um, the fun of this season is that. You know, the Mets played this horrific doubleheader on Sunday, and now they can bounce back because we talked about 
I, I saw somebody was saying, and I remember, I remember something similar coming up with the Mets earlier this season, but the Yankees had a seven game losing streak um, after losing both games on Friday. And that equates to in a regular season, a 19 game losing streak. Now that sounds horrific. And if you lose 19 straight games in the regular season, normally, you know, you're not very good, obviously, and you have no chance of making the playoffs. But if you lose seven games this season, it's horrific. And they might not be able to overcome that and overtake the Rays and win the division. But they could very easily, they just won three straight. They could very easily win their nets too and have won five straight and almost negated that seven game losing streak and be very solidly in position to be the second place team in their division and make the playoffs as a lock. So it, it's, it's a funny season and there are so many ups and downs and the Mets just lost three straight games after winning two great ones against the Yankees, but they really do have an opportunity to win some games this week and be right back there, right back at 500 and right back in it. It's a funny season. I don't know. The whole thing, the whole thing's crazy to me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to get out of here. I've been kind of rambling for a little bit here. Um, I appreciate you listening. Uh, it's therapeutic for me. I've said it before. I hope it's therapeutic for you as well. Because I'm right here with you. You know, if you're a Met fan, which I would assume you would be if you're listening to this, if you're a Met fan, there's so much, like, bad. And there's so much that, like, you just want to, like, you, you don't want to, like, talk to an actual therapist because they think you're insane. Uh, you There's so much, like, you just want to, like, sit on the couch and just, like, kind of talk through your feelings about this team because they'll really drive you crazy. They'll really drive you crazy. And it's still fun, though. Like, that game one loss was horrific. There was not one part of me that thought, I'm not going to watch DM2. I just said, I never turned the channel. I watched the whole post-game slash pre-game uh, for game two. And I watched every pitch of game two because it's just fun. It's baseball, and I love it, and I love this team. And I will never not love this team. And it's just, it's fun. And I love it, and it's great, and it's a wonderful sport and a wonderful team, even when they suck. And that's that. And I just, I hope you're enjoying this, the ride of this season and enjoying listening to this podcast and listening to me talk and following me on Twitter at msmithhwn and at fun and flushing and on Instagram at fun and flushing. And I just hope that uh, we can you know, build this together, this, this show. And hopefully like you guys will follow me and build like a community of Met fans that just enjoy talking about the good and the bad and the fun. And hopefully there's going to be a lot more fun in our future. And, and we can just have a, you know, a, a great time together soaking in the New York Mets experience. Uh, but that's it for this one. Uh, please if you haven't already, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find all the links of all the other podcast apps that you can find me in um, at my link tree, which is in the bio of all my social media uh, profiles. Um, and I, I said it before that I'm starting a YouTube channel. I'm doing it this week. Now, here's the plan for the YouTube channel which you can also find, you can also subscribe at my link tree, even though there's really nothing there at this exact moment as I record this on Sunday night. The plan for the YouTube is there's going to be video clips from the podcast, kind of like teaser clips from the podcast. Um, moving forward, I'm going to, during the week, kind of in between podcasts, I intend to film some little clips that are going to first make appearances on the YouTube page and then they're going to appear in the podcast feed. So if you want to listen to them and not watch them because you don't like looking at my face, which I understand, uh, you can you can do that as well. But what I'm also going to do on the YouTube is go 
kind of do some stuff that I wouldn't normally do on the podcast. The podcast is kind of talking about the week that was, the week that's coming up, like sort of a current events type thing. Uh, on the YouTube, I'm going to try to maybe get into some other like more, uh, if you want to call them evergreen discussions, uh, whether they be classic games, games I attended, uh, favorite players, things like that, just to kind of uh, provide a little more content uh, for anybody that's interested in it. So if that sounds like something you'd like to see, um, please go to my link tree, find my YouTube channel. Everything's fun and flushing at fun and flushing uh, and subscribe. And, you know, hopefully you'll enjoy that content that's going to be starting to roll out later this week. I know I enjoy making it. Um, so that's it. That's it. That I'm done just over an hour. Uh, very therapeutic and about the length of a therapy session. So I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, that's it. Hopefully this is a better week. Uh, I guess we'll see next Sunday when I come at you guys again, if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood, hopefully it's a good one. Uh, that's it. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening and let's go Mets.